And of course, I'm reminded just of the spiritual principle that Paul speaks about so eloquently in 1 Corinthians about the foolishness of preaching. Does it feel foolish sometimes when I'm doing? Yes, it feels foolish. But it, it feels foolish when I do it on a Sunday in front of real people. Um, you know, it, it's counterintuitive then. So if it's counterintuitive now, um, I, I trust God can still use it. Hey guys, welcome to the Expositors Collective Podcast, episode 97. I'm your host, Mike Neglia. And most of the listeners to this podcast, we're, we're preachers, we're Bible teachers. Um, we lead Bible studies where we teach um, Bible classes. And we're entering into a very interesting time uh, for the history of the church and for the history of the world. Whether this current situation is going to be over in a week or two, or whether this is going to be the new normal for the foreseeable future. Um, What is definitely for sure, um, the way that we teach and preach the Bible is going to be different. And so I reached out to uh, one of our fellow Expositors Collective leaders, uh, Pastor David Guzik, and I scheduled this interview so that I could record it and get it out to you as fast as I could, because I know that if you're like me, you preached last Sunday to a video camera in a largely empty room. And that is not a natural thing for any of us to do. Now, David has been doing this for longer than many of us have. Um, You can check out his uh, YouTube channel where he does some Bible teaching. He also does some uh, Q&A live videos. And he came to mind very quickly um, as somebody who's had experience in this very niche realm of Bible teaching. And so I scheduled this interview and I really enjoyed talking to him personally. And I know that you will too. He is here to give um, experienced wisdom for those of us that are beginning to teach in an unnatural way, teaching to webcams or video cameras or smartphones. Uh, David Guzik has some advice for you. So enjoy, and I'll catch you again at the end. Hey, welcome to the Expositors Collective Podcast. Uh, I've got a special guest, uh, David Guzik. How are you doing, David? I'm doing very well, Mike. Thanks for uh, having me join you today. Yeah. You know, this is historic because up until this moment, I've had like a strict policy of only doing face-to-face interviews uh, for this podcast. Well, they, they are much better, don't you think? Isn't that the preferred way? Oh, infinite, yeah. Generally, um, if I'm listening to a podcast and it's a, a Skyped in person, it's got, I've got to be really interested in what they're saying to endure that. Right, right. Well, I mean, with the present moment and the difficulties in the broader culture, I mean, necessity makes us do things that we wouldn't normally do, isn't it? Yeah, David, so you're the first, but you might not be the last of these. <laughs> um, so, hey, I mean, like, so that, like, first off, like, how are you doing? Today is Friday the 20th. How are you and your family doing, David? Well, like most others, you know, because when you look statistically at the present moment, this COVID-19 or coronavirus or whatever best name people are applying to it, it, it's affecting statistically very, very few people at this point. 
the, the real concern is that it becomes something that's very widespread. And look, I, I don't know anything about contagious diseases. All I can do is listen to what the public health officials and all the rest say. So I, I have to regard it as a legitimate concern. But at this point, it hasn't affected our health. Uh, all of our family is healthy. I, I don't personally know anybody who's been um, infected with the coronavirus. And in addition, we do have uh, maybe nine cases in our county in California right now, and uh, nothing very severe as far as I can tell. Okay, so um, again, it's important to kind of like to date these. So this is Friday yes. the 20th, and it's it's morning for you. It's afternoon for me. We're talking from Ireland to California. Um, but yeah, things change so quickly. So this won't be released until Tuesday. But um, this is you from the past saying that as of Friday, you're doing fine, right? Yeah. And isn't it strange to think that when this gets released on Tuesday, it could be a very different scenario. It could be. Yeah. That's one of the that's one of the uh, uh, challenging and difficult things. How, how is it for you all in Cork, Ireland? Well, um, as yeah, as I was saying, we we kind of got a, a mandate from the government um, before the U.S. did and even before California did. So we had... Like we actually had, it was St. Patrick's Day and the parade was canceled. And also, you know, every pub is closed. So we're living in a very unique Ireland with no Patrick's Day parade, no pubs. Um, and the streets are actually getting quieter and quieter. There was a, a period when, you know, the social distancing was encouraged. Um, however, people are really quick to ignore that. And the first weekend of it, um, nightlife was just as happening as ever. And then the pubs were actually closed as a response to that. So day by day, um, it's getting quieter and quieter. Um, I live very close to the church office and I'm actually still going in for like half days. My wife is now um, homeschooling. She, along with many others, have been drafted into the homeschool life yeah. So she's actually asked me to leave, <laughs> that I, I leave for certain parts of the day and then come back because maybe one day I won't be able to. Um, and so as I walk in, I'm seeing less and less shops that are open. I'm passing less and less people. But then even if I do pass somebody, of course, I, I'm two meters away or six feet away from them. Yeah. And again, supposedly our public health officials tell us that this stuff is going to make a big difference. And so we just kind of wait and see. I, I think one of the, the strangest dynamics in this, and especially as it affects our church life and our, our preaching work, is the uncertainty about the future of all of this. Um, mm -hmm. Some people give very dire things that that's going to be 18 months of this in front of us, which seems, you know, extreme to think about. But who knows? It's a very strange yeah. landscape. Yeah, so we're heading into a new time as a human race, <laughs> maybe. Yes. Well, not a human race. Plagues have come and go, or we, we, epidemics, we've called them different things. Yes. But this is a, a new era for the Christian church. Again, not that the Christian church hasn't had to deal with plagues and epidemics, but this is the first time that services are shifting majority or almost exclusively to an online format. And you know, David, I've reached out to you earlier on, even in private, just asking for advice, because um, I know that you've been like an early adopter of a lot of technology, and you've been one to to share your content digitally, both, you know, through EnduringWord.com, your, your printed stuff, but then also with like audio teaching that's gone out far and wide. I remember in 2005, 
I was in Ziegen where um, I was visiting where where you were living in Ziegen and I went to Calvary Chapel Ziegen. They had a, a bookstore and then in the corner of the bookstore, uh, you were teaching uh, verse by verse through Job and there was a small crowd gathered. When I say small, I mean like six or seven people. Yeah, it's interesting. It's interesting that you'd use the word crowd uh, in connection <laughs> with that, <laughs> because well, six, maybe, yeah, yeah, six or seven would have been a good night. I mean, I can Is remember right? some of those as small as three, and maybe the biggest we ever got on any evening was maybe ten. But yeah, oh. it was a few. Well, the the time that I came, yeah, there was maybe seven or eight, and I sat there and I opened my Bible to Job and I followed along and I I, I appreciated what you had to say about uh, Leviathan. I think I remember the the message, um, and. Uh, being impressed that you, that you were like preaching your guts out to a room of just a few people. But the reality was you were recording it. So it wasn't just going to us, but it was going to the broader, like invisible audience kind of behind us or beyond us. Um, so what, what was that experience like as a Bible teacher? Because you've been doing this for a long time. And a lot of us now we're just entering into the world of preaching to an invisible congregation. Mike, that's a very interesting point, because I would say, thinking back to that Bible study that I did in Ziegen, um, I did that somewhat in a way I tell others not to teach, because normally I would say we should teach to the audience that's right in front of us, and I wouldn't preach as if I was preaching to a larger room to five people. Um, if I'm in a Bible study with five people, I'm going to make it much more discussion-oriented, much more interactive, and take advantage of that situation. But what I was doing with those Bible studies in Zegan was consciously teaching for an internet audio audience. Uh, back mm. then, we didn't even think about putting things down in video. Everything was audio. But I, I wanted to record teaching that would be listened to later— uh, over different internet, we people didn't even do podcasts back then, but yeah, that's right, anyway, yeah. through different audio distribution channels. And so uh, I deliberately said, well, I'm going to preach as if I was preaching to a larger group and be very grateful for the few people that are in front of me. And it was just sort of a beginning of something that uh, I had started actually even many years before that. Before I ever came to the Bible College in Germany, uh, I was a pastor of a church called Calvary Chapel Simi Valley in Simi Valley, California. And I remember during a phase of my ministry there, uh, we were doing two services on a Sunday morning. And I remember being very struck that it seemed to me that my sermon second service felt much better to me hmm. than my sermon first service. Yes. Yeah. And so what I said, I said, well, maybe it's because... I've already run through it once for for second service. So I said on the, on the, the test case yes, that come on so, first so, service, yeah. So to speak. And so I said, well, why don't I do a run through on Saturday night? And that was just kind of my idea. Let's do a run through Saturday night. So uh twenty years ago at Calvary Chapel, Simi Valley, uh there was a section of time, I don't know how long, Mike, maybe it was six months, maybe it was a year where I would pretty faithfully go down to the church Saturday night before Sunday. Um, I would pray over the empty seats, and I would preach to an empty uh, sanctuary 
Wow. I mean, it held a few hundred seats, I suppose. I would preach to an empty sanctuary, and um, it was my run-through for Sunday morning. And so I, I think even back then, I was. It, of course, the first few times you do it, it feels very strange. It feels very foreign. Um, but for me, it just began to feel okay and natural the more I did it. And that was kind of the beginning of that ability to say, hmm. well, I, I'm going to preach in a different situation knowing that it'll have a use greater than this. Yeah. And, and so those weren't recorded or anything. That was just no. your first run. Okay. That's right. That was right. But again, it got me used to the concept of preaching to an empty room. And um, I, I've thought about it since then. You, you know who would hate this idea? Mike, is uh, D. Martin Lloyd-Jones. I was going to guess him because most yes. of the things that we do, he would also hate. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that funny? If you go yeah. through preaching and preachers, like the idea that we do sometimes of having um, students in a preaching class kind of yeah. run through, oh, he would decry that. He would that's say right. that that's preaching as performance and uh, it has no... But I, I would respectfully differ with the great doctor, Lloyd-Jones, and say, well, there, there is a performance aspect to preaching. Now, God forbid that we think of ourselves as performers, but what we don't is we just don't want the practicalities of presentation to get in the way of what we're doing and have yeah. it be kind of thoughtless and, and have a real focus on the message and on the word itself. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. To have great content, but then to deliver it poorly or in an unhelpful way doesn't honor the people that are listening, and then also it doesn't do justice to the text or the content that we're delivering. Yeah, that's very true. And while Lloyd-Jones might call it performance, I think of it more in terms of presentation. I want yeah. my presentation to be just neutral, to, to just not get in the way of the greatness of the message and the Jesus Christ that I'm proclaiming. Yeah. Well, I mean, picturing you on a Saturday night um, with hundreds of empty seats, but then you go to the pulpit and you preach the word, that would have been rather maybe unusual um, up until last Sunday. Yes. When, when that has been the experience of, uh, you know, across Europe and large swaths of North America, that's been what a lot of pastors have done. And they've done it perhaps for the first time as they recorded their messages to go out on live stream or on, on a video. Um, so what advice could you give to a pastor who's doing that now for the first or for the second time? Um, like I have some questions about practicalities, but do you have any just like broad advice for the, the preacher that's doing that just starting out this week or last week? Well, let, let me mention the practicalities first, just, just okay. like, oh, in okay. that, well, no, 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 we, I want to go into, you know, greater specificity with the practicalities later, but just to say, you need to think about the practicalities so that they're not a distraction for you. You know, if you're distracted by all your equipment and all your, your, you know, technical things, it's going to be very difficult for you to just sort of uh, deliver a message. So we'll talk about that later, but kind of the mm. spiritual aspect that you need to do is I think one of the most important things is um, really have it in your heart and your mind that you are preaching to people. You're going to be looking at a camera. You're going to be looking at some kind of thing, but you are in fact speaking to people. And just as much as you would think and uh, have people in your mind as you're speaking to them live, uh, just believe and know in your heart that those people are there and you're speaking to them. It's just not there in the immediate presence. That, that's a thought that's been very helpful for me. 
Uh, I think way back to the days at Calvary Chapel, Simi Valley, when I would preach to an empty sanctuary on Saturday night, I, I could imagine people sitting in those chairs. And of course, it's helpful in a church context because, you know, a lot of people right. tend to sit in the same places. So you that's can say, right, okay, yeah. well, there's that family over there, and here's this couple over there, and that's those people. And, and I would just use kind of the power of it. I know those people are going mm. to be there. Uh, I, I want to speak to them right now. Yeah. So that's particularly useful for those that are going to be in empty sanctuaries, standing behind their familiar pulpits, looking at the pews. Um my situation is um, we rent from a school alongside, you know, many other churches that, that have a separate meeting space than their office space or for where they're going to be recording from. So as I Sunday morning do my live stream, I'll try to visualize the, the school gym and think of the, the Shaw family on the far left and the O'Mahony's in the middle. I'll, I'll try to do that. Thank you. That's good advice. Well, but it, even in the, the artificial setting that you're in, I mean, because uh, now, uh, in, in my current place in ministry, I do a lot of content for YouTube. And so yeah, I right. sit in a little office, um, and there's a camera in front of me and I'm teaching verse by verse through the Bible right into that camera. Yeah. And, but I'm very consciously aware that there are people on the other end. I, I don't have the advantage to picture where they're seated. Mm -hmm. But it's just very clear in my awareness that I'm not just kind of performing in a small little empty room. That would feel kind of sad. <laughs> but I am, <laughs> yeah. but, but I am, I am speaking to people. Uh, people are going to watch this, and and prayerfully, God will use it. And and of course, I'm reminded just of the spiritual principle that Paul speaks about so eloquently in First Corinthians about the foolishness of preaching. Hmm. Does it feel foolish sometimes when I'm doing? Yes, it feels foolish. But it, it feels foolish when I do it on a Sunday in front of real mm. people. Mm. Um, you know, it, it's counterintuitive then. So if it's counterintuitive now, um, I, I trust God can still use it. Mm. Yeah, that's 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 great. We should keep that in our hearts and minds as we, yeah, mount those empty pulpits or open yes. the cam, open the laptop, and look into the the webcam. So so here's here's. Can I ask a practical question? Sure, whatever you like, please. What what do you do? Like, where do you look? Now, now there's kind of a vast library of EnduringWord.com videos that, that are out there. But, like, do you have a kind of a rule about, like, staring into the camera or glancing around? So what, what do we do? Do we, do we lock eyes with the camera? Okay, I, I'll tell you how I would do it. And, again, I'm no expert on this, but I'll give you my experience. Well, you've done it more it, than me. So. Yeah, that's right. Okay. <laughs> More if, than most. So yes. that's why you're here. If I was preaching in a sanctuary, in an empty sanctuary, uh, because, you know, some churches have a video set up in their sanctuary and that's accessible to them, even yeah, though they're right. not having services. So if, if that's the case, then I would go up on the platform and just try to replicate what I do on a Sunday. I would look around the room. I would occasionally make a point to look into the cameras, occasionally, but not generally. But uh, in my little own recording thing, when you're doing something that's obviously not in the sanctuary and it's going to, I would try to look into the camera much more because you, okay. you, you're trying to establish that connection. So to me, it just kind of matters a little bit on the uh, how you're trying to do that, what your setting is for the recording that you're making. 
Okay. And then here's another um, kind of real practical thing. Now, some people are using um, Facebook Live. Uh, some people are using YouTube Live. And then on both of those forums, or there's the capacity to see comments as they come in. Uh, do you advise that we interact with those comments? If you're preaching a sermon, I would turn the comments off or not interact with them while you're preaching, of course. I would deliver the message. If you're having a Bible study discussion, well, then, of course, you want to do that. So it kind of, I, I would adapt your interaction with your live uh, audience, whatever you want to call it. I, I would adjust that to what you're trying to accomplish. Um, but if you're going to say, okay, I'm going to try to replicate a Sunday or midweek service, and now's the time where I'm going to preach a 30-minute message, then I would ignore the comments in the chat uh, during that time. Um, if you really are one of those preachers that's dependent upon the amens of your uh, listeners, mm. you're going to have to control yourself probably because you don't want to yeah. be distracted by somebody writing into the chat. W would you please get to the point, Pastor, uh, which is something mm -hmm. people might be dying to say uh, otherwise, but uh, yeah, it gives them more of a forum to do it online. Okay. And, and here's another question. Do you think that we should be going shorter during this um, COVID-19 situation, this bizarre online church, should we, be, should we go shorter or does this give us the liberty to go longer? It, it's kind of interesting, Mike, because when you look at people's listening habits or viewing habits on YouTube or Facebook Live, um, it, it's all over the place. Mm. Uh, there, there are people, especially on YouTube, they will regularly listen to a three-hour thing and obviously they they probably have it in the background while they're doing other yeah. things if your intention is that somebody would give it their undivided attention then i think you probably be need to be thinking in the neighborhood of 30 minutes uh maybe plus or minus five minutes either side of that but if you have the expectation that somebody may have this on in the background while they're doing it, then of course you could go a little bit longer and so I'm just kind of interested at how there's that's that's a question that has a variety of answers yeah. on today's platforms. Yeah, yeah. In, in on a regular Sunday, I think what what I bear in mind the most is the kids' workers upstairs with yes. the, the kids. And I'm tempted, and I was tempted last Sunday to be like, "All right, there's no kids' workers. I can go for as long as I want." But in the reality, though, it means that the kids are just on mom and dad's lap, you know, or, yes. or doing whatever, you know. So uh, I think that still remains a factor. Uh, here's another question. It does. That, and um, so you have to asked. keep that in mind. But the, the other thing that is beneficial is especially if people are not listening to you live, uh, they can pause yeah. and come back and people yeah. will. And, and I think that is one expectation. Um, if we do a Sunday morning live, you know, okay, it's 11 o'clock and it's time for my normal Sunday service. Don't be discouraged if you can tell, oh, there's only uh, five people online viewing. Mm -hmm. There's only mm -hmm. 10, whatever the number is. Don't be discouraged because this is just the nature of modern content delivery. Uh, people will get to it when it suits them. Uh, and maybe not mm. necessarily feel obliged to join you live. I mean, it'll be a blessing whoever does, but it, it's just a different world in that regard. Yeah, good good point. And yeah, David, that's one of the reasons why I really wanted to get you on here, because you've got this experience with YouTube Live and, and these types of things. 
um, yeah, because people aren't going to rush to sit on the couch or whatever to to watch it, knowing that whenever they get there, they can just literally rewind you and start from the beginning. Exactly so. Exactly mm-hmm. so. Okay, well, we had a question that, that came in. Someone asked me to ask you, um, do you see a distinction or is there an advantage between an actual live event, you know, um, that's taking place? You are going live at 11 o'clock, and so you're in front of your computer and you hit record at, at 11 o'clock. Boom, it's going. Versus a pre-recorded event that you record, you know, let's say Saturday, Friday, whenever, and then it gets a chance to be sliced, spliced together and edited and then it gets broadcast, as it were, at 11 o'clock. Do you have any thoughts on the pros and cons of those? Well, um, if you have reason to believe that there are a lot of people who will join you at your normal service times, but even then, people don't know. They don't really care, I think. Um, mm. I I would give the edge towards, if you can pre-record and get a little bit better production in what you want to do, I think that's advantageous. Okay. Uh, because again, to to the viewer, they don't even actually know. Uh, I mean, of course, you'll say, well, we're live right here from then, and that might mean something to a few people, uh, but hmm. it, it, it's kind of not worth it to tie yourself in knots technically. Um, if you okay. have the technical infrastructure to do it smoothly and easily live and it's not stressful and it's not making things much worse, well then fine, go ahead and do it. But I, I don't know that it's worth, again, tying yourself in technical knots uh, to achieve the live thing if it's much easier for you to do a pre-recorded and, and to just release it at that particular time. Hmm. Oh, I've actually found the opposite, that it would be more work and harder to do a pre-recorded thing um, at least from talking with you know our our tech guy uh, Ricky, who we both know and love, sure. um, he was saying that actually just like pushing the live button is 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 easier. Because I imagine I you know I complicate things. I think wouldn't it be great to have you know a yes. scripture reading recorded from someone in their house yes. and then a, a pastoral prayer by one of the elders and then some song you know and then have it all be spliced together. But that that would be nice because it would give people chances to see some familiar faces, but. Um, but yeah, I was told that all that splicing, it does take time and it's easy for me, but then hard for him. Well, and that's what I think needs to be kept in mind. Take a look at what's easier for you technically start there. And then maybe along the way, you'll see what works out better and what you feel more comfortable with. But especially when this is all very brand new to us, I think people need to look for the easiest on ramp to this that they can find. Exactly. And to be learning maybe from similar sized churches rather than just looking yes. at, okay, what's Craig Rochelle doing? Oh, you know, or um, because those have not only full time, but a whole team of full time people who o- whose only job is to do online church. Yeah, Mike, they have an army of people uh, completely dedicated, you know, yeah, <laughs> and, uh, you know, employed at, uh, at wonderful salaries uh, that are yes. all focused towards this goal and you know, we're just trying to do the humble thing that we can do. And, and but yet we're bold enough to believe that God can use it and God can use it to really keep and develop a connection with uh, the congregation that God has allotted to us in our community and to show them our love, our concern, our care for them. Yeah, 
Yeah, absolutely. And, and that kind of leads me to my last question. Um, like, David, do you have any kind of word of encouragement to the pastors, to the youth leaders, to women's ministry coordinators, Sunday school teachers, etc.? Um, all of we're all just walking into these uncertain times. Like you mentioned the importance of having a connection from between us and the people that we're caring for. Um, yeah. Any kind of word of encouragement to us or for us? Well, we do kind of need to redouble our efforts to make pastoral contact with people through text message, through telephone call, through, you know, direct message and social media, whatever it would be. Uh, just to make sure that people know that we care about them, that we're praying for them, uh, that th- they aren't just a a um, a consumer that shows up on a Sunday that we care mm. about. And if we mm. can't do Sundays, then you know they're not on our hearts or our minds. But we need to reflect the truth to them that we do care about where they're at. Yeah. And what we can do for preaching to a camera or or getting things out in that way, that's one expression of that. But we should be careful that we don't neglect other expressions of it that we can demonstrate. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Well, David, I do appreciate your time. I do hope that, you know, today, Friday the 20th, um, is a good day for you. Yes. And for the citizens of California and and Ireland and everyone in between. But um, yeah, I do appreciate, again, your your wealth of of experience. You've walked before. in a, in a online world that um, many of us are just stepping our feet into right now. So thanks for giving us your experienced um, advice. Well, you're very welcome, Mike. It's a pleasure to join you. I love what Expositors Collective is doing in this podcast. It's so wonderful <laughs> to see how God's using it. Yeah. Oh, and, and uh, actually, I should announce here, and you, I'm sure you know this, David, I was looking forward to seeing you in Seattle in May. But as you probably know, it's not happening. So I'll see you some other time. Yes, that's right. So we'll have to postpone that particular meeting of the Expositors Collective and look forward to the next time. Yeah. So it's been announced on social media. There's yes. been an email that has gone out, but I do realize that um, there's not there's there's an overlap. Some people listen to the podcast, but don't do the social media and then vice versa too. So sure. Um, all right. Cool. Well, Uh, May God bless every preacher of God's word that's listening to this. Um, We want to aim to get this out um, as soon as possible. We want to equip you and help you as we're headed into uncharted territories. We want to use the digital means that we um, have in combination with, you know, common sense and grace and dropping off food supplies. We want to look after the people that God has entrusted us. And so, uh, again, thanks for listening. Uh, Thanks to you, David. I hope that this and all that we do at the Expositors Collective helps you to grow in your personal study and your public proclamation of God's Word. Amen. Thank you, Mike. And once again, thanks to David for his time. Uh, This was a very um, quickly arranged um, interview, and I appreciate his flexibility and generosity with his time to, to all of us. So, Thank you, David. And as you heard, um, guys, our Seattle uh, collective is uh, postponed indefinitely. Uh, We will be back there. That's the plan. Uh, We just don't know um, when or in what format it is going to look like. Um, There is the Hawaii event, which is still planned. And uh, check our website and social media for updates on that as we get closer to the time. 
Well guys, nobody could say that we're living in a boring time, right? Um, I know that even though many of us are spending more time indoors or isolated than we usually do, even though we're being told to remain in our home uh, in order to preserve uh, the public health, um, although there might be boring moments, this is not a boring moment to be alive. Uh, we do believe that God is a big God, that he is in charge not just of small things, but also big things, and that he has a plan to get glory from this. And so I hope that our lives, our little offerings, our expressions of care to our neighbors and to our church community, even our webcam sermons, can be useful in his hands for the furtherance of his kingdom. And as I said earlier, I hope that this and all that we do at the Expositors Collective helps you to grow in your personal study and your public-ish proclamation of God's word. Thank you.